0: few years back, my friend Justin Warner from Food Network moved out to South Dakota. He opened a ramen joint, and he is always posting pictures of all the great food he's not only cooking, but eating all over South Dakota. He's always telling me to come visit. And you know, one of the best ways to experience a new place is to eat your way through it. But it's equally important to live your way through it, too. And when you summer in South Dakota, you can fill up on all the lake days, hikes, rides, and small-town strolls that'll leave you with a regained sense of wonder and a hunger to do it all over again. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time. I travel South Dakota.
1: A lot of people will just take out a a bottle of olive oil and just drink it out of the bottle. You you take three or four tablespoons of that and you put it into some ramen or you put it in the mashed potatoes and you add a bunch of calories and, you know, you wouldn't necessarily do it at home, but out here, you know.
0: This is The Spork Full. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. This week, our senior producer, Emma Morgenstern, is bringing us a story she's been working on for a little while. Hey, Emma. Hey, Dan. So, what's going on? What do you got
2: for us? So, in the summer, I love going hiking. I live in New York, so we're pretty close to one of the most famous hiking routes in the country, the Appalachian Trail.
0: Well, though, i got to stop you right there. Now, I, I grew up calling it the Appalachian Trail. I know some people say Appalachian. Mm. We actually looked into this. According to West Virginia Public Radio, there are no fewer than six different ways to pronounce it. I think we're, we're just going to go with the, the northerner Yankee approach because that's what you and I are, right, <laughs> Emma? Okay. Yes, I'm But we, we acknowledge there's more than one way to say this word. Okay. Yes, yes. So anyway, the Appalachian Trail, one of the most famous routes in the country. Please go on.
2: So, yeah, the Appalachian Trail, I've done some day hikes on it in New York, in New England, and in Pennsylvania. But there are people who actually hike the whole trail, which starts in Georgia and ends in Maine. It goes from the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and North Carolina to the White Mountains in New Hampshire. The whole thing is more than 2,000 miles, and it takes people five or six months to do it. Wow. And so me, being me, I always wondered— (laughs) How do you keep yourself fed on a five- or six-month hike?
0: (laughs) The consummate sporkful producer always goes to the most important topic at hand. (laughs) I'm wondering now the same thing because I I don't get on an airplane with less than three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I've usually eaten two before takeoff, so.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when I go on a hike, like, I'll usually— Pack a ton of food, like I fill my backpack up with granola bars, trail mix, cheese, sliced turkey, crackers, an apple, of course chocolate, and that's for like five hours. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you do for five months?
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine. What does that even look like?
2: Yeah, I wanted to know that too. So I went out and talked to a bunch of hikers on the Appalachian Trail. What I learned is that hikers have their own subculture, complete with language and customs and of course, food. These folks have a very unique strategy for eating, and it was like entering this entire new food universe.
0: All right. Well, now now I want to go. Let's go.
2: (laughs) We're going. So, Dan, I'm going to teach you a little bit of the language of hikers. So, our first vocabulary word in that language is through hikers.
0: Through hikers.
2: So, that's the term for people who hike the whole AT, the Appalachian Trail.
0: So we got a bunch of thru-hikers hiking the old A.T.
2: Exactly. Next vocabulary word is NOBO, northbound. Okay. So most thru-hikers are NOBO. They start in Georgia. They end in Maine. And they start around March usually, so they're hitting the halfway point in Pennsylvania in about June. So last June, my husband Sam and I drove out to the halfway point so I could talk to a few hikers. Testing one two. The halfway point is at Pine Grove Furnace State Park. The general store there is actually a famous food stop on the AT, which we'll get to later. So Sam and I got there in the early afternoon on a hot, sunny day. Honestly, not the kind of day that you'd really want to hike. It was a little hot for me. (laughs) (laughs) The general store is a little log cabin with a covered patio and some picnic tables. And sure enough, there were lots of thru-hikers lounging around on the patio when we arrived. Are any of you
0: thru-hikers? How how could you tell they were thru-hikers?
2: Uh... How should I put this? Um, They tend to smell a little riper than your average day hiker.
0: (laughs) You don't want to be downwind of the through hikers is what you're telling me. Yeah,
2: no shade to them. They don't get to shower very much on the trail. but Okay, all right. Yeah, you can smell them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So at that point when I met them, they'd already been on the trail for a couple of months with at least a couple more months ahead of them. And the people I talked to had all different reasons for doing the AT. But a lot of those reasons kind of boil down to needing to take a break from real life, wanting to accomplish something big, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But going into the hike is a little nerve-wracking for anyone.
1: The only time I kind of had any kind of maybe regrets or doubts was honestly the first day.
2: So this is Aaron Osmus. His trail name is Trip.
1: Wait, Wait,
0: What do you mean by trail
2: name? A trail name is a nickname that the hikers give themselves that they pretty much exclusively use while they're on a trail. So, like, I think my trail name would be Tex. Tex? Why Tex? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds like some like the name of a person who spends a lot of time on a trail. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, uh, I'm going to start calling you Tex from now on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, anyway, back to trip.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, trip. He's from Texas.
0: Oh, he might not like my trail name.
1: <laughs> my dad had to drive me out here 12 hours from Texas, and I finally got into camp that night and had all my stuff set up, and it was all kind of new to me, and I had no idea how far I was going to make it, and, but I kind of had this, like, moment of reflection of, like, what am I doing? I think that first day I was like, well, I'm out here now, so it's sink or swim.
2: That might sound a little dramatic, but actually those nerves are pretty real. The AT is no joke. The hikers, yes, they're like choosing to be there, but it doesn't mean that it's not dangerous. The terrain is strenuous, there are a lot of wild animals like bears and rattlesnakes, and there are a lot of opportunities to get sick or injured or dehydrated. A few thousand people attempt the AT every year, but only a quarter of them actually make it.
0: Okay, so this is so so most people don't
3: finish.
2: Right. So you can imagine that in such a wild situation, food becomes a focal point for a lot of hikers.
3: There's something called the hiker hunger that people start to get to where you just have a voracious appetite.
2: This is George Cohn, a.k.a. Redbeard, That's his trail name. Kind of a funny name to me because when I met him, his beard was dyed blue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Redbeard and other through hikers are averaging about 15 to 20 miles a day on trail. So you can see where that hiker hunger comes from.
0: That makes sense. I mean, like you're burning a lot of calories on this hike.
2: Yeah, so you're really hungry, and you also have to carry everything you're eating on your back. So that presents a bit of a problem for hikers. There's a cardinal rule that they have, which is you want foods that pack as many calories into as little weight as possible.
0: Right. You need to eat as much sustenance with as little effort to carry it as possible.
2: Exactly.
3: Usually you want to get at least 100 calories per ounce in whatever you're putting in your body, if not more, to make it— worth it to carry with you. It feels a little opposite of the real world. We tend to get very calorie conscious in what we eat, and it's like, which has the most calories? So
2: The Appalachian Trail does cross through town, so at least every few days the hikers are close enough to civilization that they can do what they call a resupply. But it's a lot of gas stations and dollar stores. Hitting up a Walmart or grocery store is a big luxury. So all of those constraints really limit what they eat.
3: I eat a lot of cliff Bars out here, and they're widely available places. Quest Bars, I find, are one of the most nutritionally dense bars that we can get out here. I even discovered their peanut butter cups the other day, which are 1.48 ounces, 190 calories, 15 grams of fat for the two cups. So you got they're this very all like, at the ready. They're, you know all the they're stats. They're very good. I know these stats very well at this yeah. point.
2: Some hikers will do anything to get more calories. As you heard at the beginning of the episode, people will even drink olive oil straight from the bottle.
0: That's hardcore.
2: It's hardcore. And it's one of the things that kind of surprised me the most about the way through hikers eat. I tend to think of them as super fit, athletic, concerned with their bodies, concerned with treating their bodies like a temple. Right, they need to put the right
0: fuel in.
2: Yeah, exactly. But because of the need for so many calories and their limited access to places to get food, it turns out that they often just stuff their faces with junk.
0: (laughs) Okay, so like what does a typical day of food look like for a thru-hiker?
2: So usually through hikers are camping out overnight at a lean-to shelter or a campsite with a tent along the trail. So they wake up at the campsite, let's say. Uh, you might start off the morning with oatmeal at your campsite. You've got some options. You can either break out the camp stove to boil some water for hot oatmeal, or maybe you'll just cold soak your oats. Think like TikTok overnight oats, but not good. <laughs> Okay, so you got your oatmeal, then you pack up, you start getting some miles in. As you're walking, you're probably going to eat some more, uh, again, to get those calories. Popular snacks that you might be eating as you're walking are honey buns, goldfish, pop tarts.
0: If I started eating a bunch of honey buns in the morning, I wouldn't have energy to hike 10 more miles. Like, I I would, like, sugar crash.
2: Okay, no honey buns for you, Dan. Sorry, no honey buns for you, Tex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the point being, you know, all of these snacks are calorie-dense, they're lightweight, something you can get at the dollar store. So then let's go to lunch, assuming you make it, Tex. (laughs) So for lunch, you might stop to cook something on the trail, but it's probably kind of a pain to get out your camp stove and heat up the food. So instead, I'm going to bet that you go for a tortilla with a packet of cooked chicken or pepperoni or peanut butter, uh, or maybe all three.
0: This is sounding more delicious to me now. I could go for the tortilla with, I mean, it's not great, but I'm warming (laughs) up to it.
2: So Tripp told me that dinner is where people get really creative. You've gotten your miles in, you've set up camp,
1: you get your little camp stove out. Everybody kind of makes, like, their own concoctions of certain things, and a lot of times it involves ramen or mashed potatoes. And
2: sometimes it involves both ramen and mashed potatoes. (laughs) Mixing those two makes what thru-hikers like to call a ramen bomb.
0: Okay. that's. I mean, that sounds like it might be amazing. Are these like dehydrated mashed potatoes we're talking about?
2: Yeah. So Tripp once made what he calls trash potatoes, and that was mashed potatoes mixed with rice with Doritos folded in for texture and spice.
0: I like that you said Doritos folded in, Emma. I like that you're (laughs) using the correct culinary term. For how you would incorporate Doritos (laughs) with (laughs) with rice into dehydrated mashed potatoes.
2: (laughs) Just like Ina taught us to do.
1: Right, right.
2: Uh, (laughs) If you have a little more cash to spend, some of the hikers will get gourmet dehydrated meals specifically geared towards hikers. Brands like Mountain House or Backpackers Pantry have meals like Pad Thai or Beef Stroganoff. And all you have to do is add hot water and wait for it to reconstitute. And some people don't even need those brands to be gourmet. Sometimes they'll bring their own gourmet skills. So at Pine Grove General Store, I met another guy named Dylan Barrett, a.k.a. Dharma. And he's had his share of ramen bombs, but he's a professional cook in his normal life.
0: All right, this this is the guy to make friends with on the trail.
2: For sure.
4: Like, one of the first few days out, we were down in Georgia, and we all got, like, fresh ingredients and made, like, an actual, like, stir-fry rice over a fire with, like, morels and, like, onions, dried jerky that we rehydrated.
2: Dharma Um, and Redbeard both raved about another great food source on the AT, and that's foraging. The hot-ticket items are blackberries and ramps.
3: So ramps are a type of wild onion. There was a shelter called the Overlook Mountain Shelter. There were just a fields of ramps everywhere. So you can dig them up. They smell kind of oniony, garlicky. You can chop them up. If Even if you eat the greens of them, they are still a little spicy, but it's... Very delicious. And I had some powdered miso soup packets around that time that I added them to. And it adds a little bit of flavor and a little bit of other...
2: Adds a little is freshness, this? too, like fresh vegetables. Yeah,
3: a little bit of greens on the, the trail. I mean...
2: Fresh Those fresh fruits and veggies don't keep well, and they don't pack enough calories for their weight, so they're at a premium. Consistently, when I asked people what their best meals on trail were or what they missed the most, they told me... Salad. I miss kale. <laughs>
1: probably the best salad in my life.
0: (laughs) I mean, I enjoy a good salad, but um, I think you're right, Emma, that these folks are in some sort of an altered food universe when the single food that they most miss is salad.
2: Yeah. I like to think of it as salad being the new chocolate cake. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing they miss is hot food, but luckily there are some restaurants that people stop at along the way.
1: And they had a pizza place that makes a 28-inch pizza. (laughs) And uh, we ordered it. It was a $40 pizza. It was a big pizza. And um, it came in a box. It barely would fit through the door. And um, I ate some of it for dinner, breakfast, and lunch the next day.
2: How do you transport pizza?
1: Like on the trail? Yeah. Um, So most people on the trail have like a gallon Ziploc bag, and you put all your trash in there. So I just dumped my trash in the trash can at the park, and then I just put the pizza in the Ziploc bag and... Carried it on the trail and then ate it that night. There you go. Look,
0: I, I, as I think I've said on the show here before, I, I once spent a whole day walking around Chicago at a bachelor party with a pound of sliced ham in my pocket. <laughs> so I wouldn't be judging him either way.
2: Yeah. I mean, so you're not judging him for putting pizza in his trash bag.
0: No, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I mean, honestly, like one time the whole extended family was together. My nephew Gabriel threw out his French fries that he didn't finish. They were in the bag that they came in and Janie, was so upset because she wanted the fries and so I just took them out of the garbage and Janie and I and the kids all ate the garbage fries.
2: Oh, so you guys are like raccoons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's going to be your new trail name, raccoon. (laughs) Forget Tex. Yeah, Tex
0: is dead. (laughs) Long live raccoon.
2: (laughs) So Dan, we've talked about how most people eat on the trail but I met one person at Pine Grove General Store who was taking a pretty different approach. Her name is Kalia Teyes, a.k.a. Cricket. She's from Ohio. Cricket went so far as to mail herself boxes of food to receive along the trail.
0: Wow. That, that sounds like a lot of work. How do you even, like, do that?
2: Well, there are some hostels along the way that will receive your packages for you. Or you okay. can ship boxes to post offices and then pick them up. But it becomes this whole logistical nightmare because you have to time it right. So you might arrive at a post office counting on that resupply, and your package hasn't gotten there yet. Or maybe you're out of food, and the next shipment that you sent to yourself is waiting for you, but it's 50 miles ahead. Right. So
5: even with all of those challenges, Cricket did this anyway. So before I left, I just packed six or seven boxes of breakfast, snacks, um, packed dinners. So I dehydrated like rice and lentil stew, some easy stuff like rice noodles and little mushroom broth packets, things that I can mix together real fast, dehydrated vegetables, sent those ahead. I did that all the week before I left for trail. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, it was, I had that dehydrator (laughs) running 24 (laughs) seven.
0: So my question is why? Like. As you said, Emma, like, this this sounds like a huge pain in the butt. Like, why would she go to all this trouble when she could just buy food along the way like everyone else?
2: Cricket has some dietary restrictions, and some of those are related to an autoimmune condition.
5: I don't eat red meat. I don't eat pork. I try to avoid gluten when possible. Um... And a lot of, like, highly processed foods, while they're fun to eat, they, like, don't make me feel good. Um,
2: So the food boxes were a way for her to plan ahead to accommodate those needs. I
5: know that that's what, you know, I need to to feel good to hike the miles. So I I do that.
2: I kind of identify with this, too, because I have my own dietary restrictions. And the prospect of winging it when it comes to food kind of gives me anxiety. makes me feel better to have some control over it at the same time when i'm at home i can barely plan what i'm eating for dinner tonight let alone planning and cooking and dehydrating several weeks worth of meals so i find what cricket did to be very impressive
0: yeah i mean this right it's it's a lot of work but, like, even six or seven boxes of homemade, home-dehydrated food wouldn't last the whole trail, right? I mean, it's five or six months.
2: Right, exactly. So those boxes lasted her for a while at the beginning. But when she came across a good grocery store, she'd resupply for the few days ahead, like everyone else. And then she would also pack up more boxes that she mailed ahead to herself.
0: She's mailing ahead to herself while on the trail.
5: Yeah, yeah. The logistics can be a little nuts sometimes. Um but it's worth it for me.
0: So Emma, you mentioned at the beginning that Pine Grove General Store is not just the halfway point on the trail, but it's
3: also like a big food stop.
2: Yeah, Pine Grove General Store is the home of the famous half-gallon challenge.
3: So the half-gallon challenge is a celebration that hikers do. This is Redbeard again. It's a newer tradition that we just reached the halfway point on the AT, the Appalachian Trail today. And for some reason, somebody decided that eating a half gallon of ice cream would be a good, smart idea to do. If you complete this challenge, you get a small wooden spoon with a stamp on it (laughs) that says
0: that you completed this challenge.
2: That's yours. (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay, and is there a time limit?
2: Yeah, they have 30 minutes to do this, and it's pretty brutal to watch. I found a YouTube video of a hiker named Kara Kirtley doing the challenge last year. So let me play it for you.
3: What? <laughs> Do you want some? You're pretty fast. Well, yeah. I'll probably. Uh. Alright,
0: there's just like a it's like a big picnic table, just cartons of ice cream everywhere. People just shoving spoons into them.
5: This <laughs> <laughs> is nasty. So nasty.
2: They're eating ice cream out of a tub, but it's actually two tubs because it's like one of those big tubs you see in the freezer section, and then a pint. Because the big tubs are a quart and a half.
0: Okay, alright, she looks like she's gonna puke. She keeps like covering her mouth with her fist like she's holding something in. <laughs> then she takes another bite though. Oh The guy she's with though, he's he's yeah, he's down in it. Whoa, it's dive, dive. Right, the guy finished it.
2: <laughs> uh, spoiler alert she does not finish it
0: i mean like, i i love ice cream and i can eat a lot of ice cream when i put my mind to it this feels like even a lot for me but i, <laughs> I would probably i would definitely want two different flavors in the two different containers just to have some variety
2: the two flavor strategy that's the one that Redbeard did so he got vanilla for his quart and a half and chocolate peanut butter cup for his pint <laughs> so yeah, how you
3: feeling? Like? I am feeling okay. Uh, the the point of it is you need you're supposed to eat the half gallon of ice cream within thirty minutes. I did it within fifteen, and then I had a burger afterwards.
2: Shockingly, Redbeard didn't seem worse for the wear, but not everyone's so nonchalant about this yes. challenge.
4: Uh, it was a nightmare. <laughs>
2: This is Dharma again.
4: I really, I've stopped basically eating ice cream since before the trail in preparation for today. And I was like, so when I get there, I'm going to really want ice cream. And so, yeah, we got here, got our ice cream, and, like, I was feeling pretty good. And then I actually started the 30-minute timer, and probably, like, after my quart and a half, I was really... Really not enjoying ice cream anymore.
2: What flavor did you get?
4: Uh, For the big one, I got vanilla. And then for the pint, chocolate Reese's peanut butter cup.
2: So that's like what Red Beer. Yeah, really he and I did, yeah. got like exact
4: the same, thing. same exact okay. thing. All right. Um, the only difference is, is he pounded both of his away, and <laughs> I finished my pint and instantly like started crying into the vanilla because I was like, if I taste vanilla again, I will vomit.
2: And did you vomit?
4: No, I didn't. <laughs> did I'm we have any really vomiters today? I, no, I did not see any.
2: So I'll have you know, Dan, that Sam and I did a little hiking ourselves when we were on this trip to Pennsylvania. So we went car camping that night and we ate some hiker food for dinner and for breakfast. And then we hit the Appalachian Trail for a section hike.
0: All right. How how far did you go?
2: Eight or nine miles. Okay. And then I practically collapsed from exhaustion. Poor me, (laughs) hiking eight miles while my friends that I'd met the day before were racking up at least 15. Right. So in any case, after my little jaunt to Pennsylvania, I kept in touch with a few of the people I met there, including Cricket, the one who was sending herself boxes of food. I was following her on Instagram, and it was really fun seeing her hit all these various milestones of the trail. But as I would learn later, she was really struggling to get through.
5: I'm tired, I, I don't wanna be here. Why am I still out here? I don't wanna do this. Coming up, things get a little scary for Cricket
2: and she rethinks her approach to eating on trail. Stick around.
4: It's time to open up a can of advertisements.
0: Whether you're a family vacation traveler, a business tripper, or a long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. They've got over 7,000 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels, and you will get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. I especially love those Cambria Hotels. They have locally inspired hotel bars with all kinds of specialty cocktails, downtown locations right in the center of all the action. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces. That way, if you're a business traveler, you'll be able to get all your work done. On-site restaurants, fantastic. And then at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles and great pools for the whole family and spacious rooms. I mean, if you have kids, you understand the importance of the pool. If you stay at a hotel with a pool... Almost nothing else matters. Fortunately, all the Choice Hotels take care of all the other stuff too, but I mean a pool is a great start. Whatever kind of vacation you're going on, whatever kind of travel you're doing, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. The weather's warming up. Have you nailed down your summer travel plans yet? I can tell you, we're working on ours and things are booking up, which is why you should be thinking about Norwegian Cruise Line. They have been raising the standards of cruising for more than 55 years. Let me tell you, when you cruise with NCL, you get award-winning specialty restaurants, immersive entertainment, and the most thrilling experiences at sea. Now, look, one of the great things about cruises in general is that you can visit and explore all kinds of different destinations, all with the ease of unpacking your bag just once. But Norwegian Cruise Line... They take cruising to another level, and they take food to another level. With no set dining and entertainment times and no formal dress codes, you have the flexibility to design your ideal vacation. They have an incredible variety of truly authentic and fresh dining and bar experiences complemented by exceptional service. Listen to this. There are up to eight complimentary and nine specialty dining options per ship and up to 23 bar, and lounge options. Come see why NCL's guest-first philosophy means exceptional service and unforgettable memories. Book your next vacation at ncl.com. At Boar's Head, delicious is in the details. And you see that in their incredible selection of hummus flavors. Boar's Head hummus is expertly crafted to achieve the perfect balance of creamy texture and refined taste. You can taste those chickpeas. You can taste the tahini. You can taste a little bit of acidity. It's got it all. I especially love their roasted red pepper hummus made with fire-roasted peppers. You can even taste a little bit of that char. It's perfectly dippable. It's perfectly spreadable. This is the kind of thing you always want to have on hand in your refrigerator. Dip, scoop, spread, or smear Boar's Head hummus to your heart's content. Hummus so extraordinary, it can only be Boar's Head. Compromise elsewhere. I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know the peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's sticks? They're wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate. I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Hey, you want to hear a special guest appearance by Janie? Everyone loves it when Janie's on the podcast, right? Well, stay tuned to the end of this episode when Janie and I head into the kitchen to cook up some spicy, crispy chicken sandwiches using Hellman's Spicy Mayonnaise and a recipe from Hellman's own website.
6: Yeah, the other thing is, like, our kids really like doing this. You know, you kind of set up an assembly line. So if you have young kids, you could definitely put them to work with this. You know, our kids really love being a part of this assembly line.
0: So stay tuned to the very end of this episode for that segment with Janie. All right, back now to the Appalachian Trail or Appalachian Trail or just AT. And a quick note that in the second half of this episode, there is some explicit language and also some discussion of disordered eating. I want to welcome back senior producer Emma Morgenstern. Hey, Dan. Let's uh, let's pick it up here.
2: Okay. so when I met the hikers in June, they mostly seemed in good spirits. But Pennsylvania is a notoriously difficult stretch of the trail, and they were just at the beginning of it. So I talked with Cricket.
0: She's the one who sent herself the food boxes.
2: Yeah, exactly. And her food situation was about to change because of what happened after we met. I caught up with Cricket once she was off trail, and she told me all about Pennsylvania.
5: Pennsylvania is one of the hardest states mentally because you don't get much views, um, And there's so they call it Roxylvania because there's so many rocks in the trail, your feet hurt. Roxylvania
2: got to cricket pretty quickly.
5: I think one of the biggest challenges is that I had a toe infection all of Pennsylvania. And of course I'm like sticking my infected toe in a wet, moldy sock inside my wet shoe and hiking through a flooded trail every day.
2: Things kept getting worse. Cricket is a woman of color, and in Pennsylvania she felt like a target. Mostly she was hiking with her trail family or hiking partners, but there were, of course, stretches when she was alone. And one of those times turned a little scary.
5: I was walking through the town of Duncannon by myself. I had this local stop me in the road and say, the best thing you can do for yourself is to get the F out of here as quick as you can. And I'm like looking around and there's like, Trump flags everywhere, and I'm just feeling, like, not safe. Um, And the next day, I had someone tell me that I shouldn't be hiking alone because of all the sex trafficking in the area. And here I am, like, my toe's infected. I'm tired. I I don't want to be here. And I thought, like, why am I out here? Why am I doing this? I'm not even that far away from home. I live in Ohio. Like, I can come to Pennsylvania anytime. I would wake up in the morning, and my first thought would be, Why am I still out here? I don't want to do this.
2: Cricket was really close to quitting the trail in Pennsylvania. At the start of the trail, when she found a well-stocked grocery store, she would send herself food boxes. Now, in Pennsylvania, she stopped doing that. It was partially because she didn't have the mental energy to figure out the logistics, and partially that she wasn't sure if she'd even be on trail in a few days or weeks. Instead, Cricket focused on something else.
5: I told myself, your job is to listen to Harry Potter— And you have to walk through Pennsylvania while doing it. And I thought, okay, well, when you say it that way, it doesn't sound like that's the worst job in the world. So so I got through it. Yeah, I walked into New Jersey, got through all of Pennsylvania.
2: Cricket sent me a voice memo after leaving Pennsylvania.
5: The day I crossed into Delaware Water Gap, so that's the border with New Jersey, I was very happy That One, I was done with Pennsylvania. Um, But the only place that we could resupply there, there was like two uh, gas stations. And I remember walking into those gas stations and thinking, what the fuck am I going to eat here? And across the street was this like beautiful deli with fresh-baked pies and sandwiches and cookies. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna eat that food. And that sort of unlocked <laughs> this, like, you know I'm just gonna, like, do what I can to survive right now. So um, through New Jersey and New York, I absolutely deli-blaze.
0: Deli-blaze? That like the picture in my head I'm getting is like of like a stoner smoking a turkey sandwich. <laughs> is that what that is that what, is that deli blazing?
2: Although I could imagine that happening on trail, that is not what it means. <laughs> uh, so you know those those like little symbols on trees, either like paint or plastic markings on trees when you're on a hiking trail. Right. Those right. are called blazes. And along the AT in New Jersey and New York, there are enough delis that they call that section deli-blazing. Now that we know what deli-blazing is, let's step back for a sec, because I was really shocked to hear about this complete 180 with Cricket. When we talked in Pennsylvania, she wasn't eating gluten, she was limiting her processed foods, and she said that's what she needed to feel good enough to hike the miles. Now, not even a month later, she was abandoning those restrictions and she was a deli regular.
5: Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said there about letting go of control and accepting that you can't control everything all the time. And and that's a big deal for me to have that lesson with food because I used to be a ballerina. So I've for a long time lived in a world of disordered eating and the need to control my food. And, you know, I have tried almost every diet And I've gone back and forth with being very restrictive. So it was a big deal for me to just let go and say, you know what, like I'm I'm trying my best and I'm just going to accept that I can't control my food right now.
2: After 150 miles of deli-blazing bliss, Cricket made it to Connecticut.
5: I just started, like, resupplying like a normal hiker on trail. I wasn't sending myself boxes. I was just going to the Walmarts and the price Choppers, And and it was kind of, like,
2: novel. She wound her way through Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Vermont. And by the time she sent this message to me, she was already in New Hampshire.
5: I am currently sitting outside a Walmart Um And I just did a resupply coming out of the White Mountains right now and the Gulf Wilderness with Mount Washington and Mount Madison. You know, that's really challenging stuff. And, you know, definitely dreaming of home cooking again. Yesterday, uh, my hiking partner and I just, like, talked for a couple hours about all the things that we would cook when we're back.
2: Cricket really missed making breakfast with her roommates at home, and she missed making stir fries and sushi at home, too.
5: As always, the trail has a way of having you experience total polar opposite emotions at the same time, you know, wanting to go home, but wanting to stay out here longer, Um, being totally physically exhausted, but also feeling so strong and like such a badass for making it this far. The next day, Cricket crossed
2: into Maine, the final state on her journey. It was just over four months since she started and she
5: had 300 miles to go. I'm confident that physically I can get through anything the trail has to throw at me at this point. Um, It really is a mental game um, and mentally I'm kind of experiencing a low right now of just feeling so exhausted, so ready to be done and be home and I know that to get through this part, cause you know, I've been through these lows before. Um, I really have to remind myself that this feeling will pass, um, and that I will get something out of it. Um, if I choose to persevere, if I choose to hike another day, um, even though today it feels so challenging. Um, but I think I do want to end on just, reminding myself again uh, to to make space for that gratitude every day. And I think that is really going to help me get to the end. The last stretch of the AT is also one of the most difficult.
2: It goes through the 100-mile wilderness, which is pretty remote and rugged, and there are no places to resupply. Then you get into Baxter State Park, and there is Mount Katahdin. That is the end of the trail.
5: Katahdin, it's not part of a particularly large or widespread range. So it seems like this lonely mountain in this beautiful flatland of Maine where there's thousands of lakes. You're supposed to be able to possibly get a view of Katahdin from the Bigelows, which is one of the last big mountain ranges, but we couldn't. So I actually didn't see Katahdin for the first time until I was in the 100 Mile Wilderness. And you poke out onto the beach of this lake and you turn a corner and it's right there. And it is this intense mountain, flat on top and rock slides, bare alpine zone. It looks so intimidating.
2: Cricket got to the base of Katahdin a couple days after she spotted it and camped out at the bottom. The next morning, she started up the mountain.
5: It's so fun because it's the last thing you do, so you, and you come back down the same way, so you don't have to carry all your pack gear you know we got to ditch our stuff and then go up with a with an empty pack so it didn't feel that physically taxing because we were like suddenly weightless so it was pure fun what did we do to deserve weather like this
2: cricket made it to the summit of katahdin but after the summit she didn't really have a
5: plan so we came down and we hitchhiked as we do everywhere we hitchhike out of Baxter State Park to a pizza place because we were so hungry that we couldn't even figure out where we were going to sleep that night until we got food in us. What was your pizza order? It was a Greek pizza. So it had like olives and peppers and spinach and feta. And I loaded it with red pepper flakes. How did it feel eating it? I was so hungry. I ran out of food at 1 p.m. that day while on Katahdin.
6: Oh, my God.
5: And I'm used to eating (laughs) Every hour, like, eating in a bar every single hour. And we didn't get a hitch out of Baxter State Park until 7 p.m. So that was, like, from 1 to 7, like, no food. I think my hiking partner gave me, like, an old tortilla that he had in his pack. <laughs> so I was hangry and exhausted. Uh, so it felt pretty awesome to eat that pizza.
2: When I had this conversation with Cricket, it was just four days since she'd finished the AT. And I asked her about the crucial decision a couple months earlier to stop sending herself food boxes and instead embrace the more typical hiker diet.
5: I had that fear of like, oh, gosh, if I'm not eating my food, then I'm not going to be able to do all this endurance activity. But... I still hiked to Katahdin. and I still got through 20, 25 mile days. I still got over the next mountain. Like my body still still got me through it. So I think I'm a little more resilient um, than I think I am.
2: Thanks to all of the hikers who talked with me for this episode, the ones I met at Pine Grove Furnace State Park and the ones I talked to on Reddit. Uh, And thanks to my husband, Sam Ansroot, for accompanying me on my reporting trip and trying dehydrated rice and beans with me.
0: (laughs) Did you rehydrate them?
2: We did, yes.
0: (laughs) Okay. What did Sam think of them?
2: Uh, We both were pretty impressed, I would say. I would say the texture suffers a little bit from the dehydration, uh, but the flavor is pretty good. And I think they really, like, punch you in the face with the flavor so you don't think about the texture.
0: (laughs) All right, well, thanks so much, Emma.
2: Yeah, thank you, Dan. Quick reminder, stick around
0: till after the credits of this episode to hear Janie's special guest appearance as we make spicy crispy chicken sandwiches together. Next week on the show, as we celebrate the 4th of July, we share some American food history when I tour the kitchens of Thomas Jefferson's Monticello and hear about the enslaved chefs who worked there whose contributions to American cuisine resonate today. That's next week. While you're waiting for that one, check out last week's episode with comedian Zarna Garig. When she was kicked out of the house at age 14, she had to use her sense of humor to get dinner invitations. So food is complicated for her. It's a funny and thoughtful conversation. Check it out. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer, Emma Morgenstern, and producer, Andres O'Hara. Editing by, Nora Ritchie. Our engineer is, Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher Studios. Our executive producers are Colin Anderson and Nora Ritchie. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman.
6: And this is Lee Ritchie from Atlanta, Georgia, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better.
0: Who makes the best spicy crispy chicken sandwich? I mean, this is a question that the internet could debate for millennia, but what if I were to tell you that the answer is actually you? Yes, you have the power to make the best spicy crispy chicken sandwich you've ever eaten in the comfort of your own home thanks to Hellman's Spicy Mayonnaise and the recipe they have on their website, which I'm going to cook right now with the help of the foremost expert in fried chicken breasts in our household. This is her department, and she's fantastic at it. Please welcome to the show my wife, Janie. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Now, to me, there's a few things that I want in my spicy, crispy chicken sandwich. The first is a lot of crisp, crispy, craggy perimeter around that chicken. And then the spicy mayonnaise and then pickles. It's got to have pickles. And beyond that, there are a few things that this recipe does that I think really make it stand apart. So let's get into it. We're going to pound the chicken breast. We whisk together some buttermilk and Hellman's spicy mayonnaise, which are going to flavor the chicken with spice and rich creaminess. It's so good. Now, meanwhile, we've also combined flour, cornstarch, paprika, onion powder, and garlic powder, and that's our dry mix. And we're going to drizzle a little bit of the buttermilk into the flour mixture, which is going to make it a little bit sort of moist and shaggy and clumpy, which is going to give us crispy fried bits, extra crags. The exterior of a piece of fried chicken should sort sure of look like the coastline of Maine. And I think that that's what this move's going to get us.
6: When I have the kids do something like this, they tend to use their fingers and get coating all over your fingers. But you really should be using a fork. You know, put the chicken cut in the fork, dip it into each of the steps, um, keep your fingers clean. Yeah, the other thing is, like, our kids really like doing this. You know, you kind of set up an assembly line. So if you have young kids, um, you could definitely put them to work with this. You know, they're, they're touching raw meat, so just make sure... You know, they clean their hands and, um, you know, and they're careful. But, you know, our kids really love being a part of this assembly line.
0: It's true. We, and we get the assembly line working now. We got the chicken, we got the, the dredging, we got the coating. It's, it's all happening. And I should say, we're walking you through this recipe, but don't stress about the details. The whole thing is on Hellman's.com. We have our chicken breasts, they're breaded, they've soaked in buttermilk and Hellman's spicy mayonnaise. And now we fry. Is there any more beautiful sound to the human ear? Now, Chef Janie, what are you watching for here?
6: You know, that the first few take a little longer, and then once the oil really gets hot, you know, the, the, the next batch is going to cook a lot faster. So just once you see the edges start to brown a little bit, turn it over with a fork.
0: Now, on our brioche roll, we're going to be putting lettuce, pickles, and Hellman's spicy mayonnaise. Let me chop those up now. These chicken breasts are golden brown, lots of crags, edges, coarse on the outside, just like I like it, like the coast of Maine. A lot of fried crispy goodness in here, and there's gonna be a lot of flavor from the buttermilk and from using the spicy mayonnaise as a marinade. All right, now for the sandwich. Mm, That is something else. It is so crispy, you get the tang from the buttermilk, pickle flavor and the crunch from the pickles and the lettuce. And then of course, tying it all together, both marinated into the crispy chicken exterior and spread on your bun, the Hellman's Spicy Mayonnaise. Made with real chili peppers, it's got the classic creamy flavor of Hellman's Mayonnaise, but with a bold twist. Hellman's Spicy Mayonnaise is a great way to spice up everyday meals by adding deliciously rich and creamy flavor. If you want to get the recipe for this spicy, crispy chicken sandwich and many, many other delicious dishes, head to com slash spicy for more deliciously spicy recipes. Again, that's hellmans.com slash spicy. Deliciously spicy, 100% Hellman's. I'm going to finish eating this sandwich.